Hello, love. Welcome to Floating on a Cloud podcast. It is the feeling you get when you are connected to your divine guidance. Sarah Sparks interviews guests to share their story on how listening to their divine guidance positively changed their life for good. Let's make listening to your divine guidance an everyday occurrence. Hello, loves. Welcome back to Floating on the Cloud podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Sparks, and today we're chatting it up with a dear friend, Megan Huber. Megan Huber is an international successful business growth strategist who, who I feel, she this is like my personal intro of her, who truly cares about her clients and wants the very best for them. She leads with her soul. Megan is structured, strategic, loving, humble, and a gal that I'm honored to call friend. She has inspired me to be a better person, and I can all, and I can just be honest, it has sometimes pissed me off. I'm like, damn, she's so awesome. I got to up my game. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But, I, but I've changed the story. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> so welcome. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I'm so excited to dive into our conversation today. I know. We were just talking, quote unquote, backstage about how we met. And yeah, it was crazy. I started my business in 2012, just like the official LLC. But that I think it was the first or second year that we went to Suzanne Evans coaching event in 2013, mm-hmm. which seems like forever ago. I mean, it seems know, like a lifetime. If it, it, it literally, I when I think back, person. like it, I, it, when I think back, I'm like, okay, how many lifetimes have I lived in my 39 years of being alive? And that feels like it was another lifetime ago. Yeah, that well for me, it was before I had kids. That year, I was actually pregnant at at that conference and didn't even know it. Didn't know it. Wow. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it was before kids, and then it was before business and all the things. So yeah, so we met there. You were sitting behind me, and my first thoughts were, "Holy!" Just like how how the intro was, I was like, "Holy moly, who's this gal? She's got it all together." Sarah Sparks, get it together. (laughs) And you were just saying just how that's kind of how I think we all at some point do as like we compare ourselves or we look at the others in the room and, and be like all right do I get it together am I enough am I doing enough all the things I think we let ourselves be the word I I use is intimidated mm-hmm. we let ourselves be very intimidated mm-hmm. whether that is we're intimidated because of a story we're telling in our own heads about others mm-hmm. or it's the way someone carries themselves. So then we're perceiving them as quote unquote intimidating, or perhaps it's a particular presence or energy that they carry with them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I historically, I was just telling Sarah too, because I was like, that's just so, it's so interesting to hear when from someone else's perspective about you. And it's like, how on earth could I be intimidating? How on earth could someone be in like, or wow, you know, I've got it all together. And I shared with Sarah, I was like, that's so interesting. You say that because when I walk into a room, I'm kind of like scanning everybody else. I feel the same way about every other woman in the room. And I think if we're all like really honest with ourselves, I think a lot of, a lot, not everybody, but I think a lot of us do feel that way until we don't anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, um, when you're talking about intimidating, I just remember growing up growing up I was probably early 20s and it was at my first job and the city administrator said to me man you're intimidating 
and I was like a bus transit supervisor <laughs> and I was like me I'm intimidated do you do you not know I like live on a farm like what are you talking about milking milking the cows at 5 a.m in the morning I'm like do you know what boots I wear like really I'm intimidating like what and I think yeah it doesn't have to be maybe just just women maybe it could be also, yeah like I think it's just uh, yeah I think it's this own, own stories that, that we tell about ourselves yeah, yeah it's interesting um at the time of this recording uh Sean and I, my husband, we just wrapped up a four day live event mm -hmm. last, last week. So this would be September, 2021. And, uh, we stayed at our house because the event was hosted in the town that we live in. So the hotel host hotel was about a 15 to 20 minute drive away. Mm -hmm. So we just stayed at our house. And one of our team members was stayed in our house with us. And she was with us at the event every day. And in the morning time, we have an 11 year old daughter. So our morning routine didn't change. We were still taking the dog out to use the bathroom. We're cleaning out the kitty litter box. Uh, we're making breakfast. I'm packing a school lunch. The kitchen was atrocious for the week. I mean, you can imagine you're, you know, you're not cleaning up every day when you're also hosting a live event for people. Yeah. And I looked at my team member, her name is Elizabeth, and I'm literally in the morning before we left to drive to the event, standing over the kitchen sink, scrubbing dishes. And I looked at her and I said, if people only knew what the event host was doing in the morning before they got to an event, they would think very differently about us. We are literally scrubbing dishes at the kitchen sink in our house, getting our child ready to go to school. And we're about to go like put on a show and a transformational event for people. But, you know, we all come into you know, any, any circumstance or situation with whatever tape we have playing in our mind, whatever story we have going on from wherever it came from. Mm -hmm. And we're, 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 a, we're human beings who are very quick to make assumptions. Mm -hmm. um, it's very interesting what all of our perceptions are of other people. So, you know, you and I are both like big truth tellers, you know, I think it's becoming increasingly and very quickly more important for us to be sharing, like, Hey, guess what? We, what we scrub dishes in the kitchen sink before we go live on the stage in the morning. Like, I just think that people need to be made aware that real life is going on over here. And, and furthermore, you can keep laughing. Cause I'm about to say something really funny. None of us actually know what we're doing either. <laughs> no, can we just keep it real? None of us know what we're doing. Don't let anybody kid you. None of us do. It is so true. I was like, oh, I get the information from spirit when I need it to share it. And so it was like, someone's like, but I have to put on this group program. Like a client was like, I need to put together this group program and I need to have it all outlined and all together before. It, and I was like, no, you don't. Mm -mm, no, <laughs> like week by week. It's good. You, you can wing it the first time. I mean, I'm not saying like, let's build a six figure biggest business on, on winging it. But I'm also saying like, no, like sometimes I don't know. Like, it's like, all right, someone was asking me today. So what does your mastermind look like? And I'm like, thank God spirit told me that last night. <laughs> let me look at my, let me look at my list here. What, what did, what was, I have an answer. Otherwise I'm yeah. like, oh, well, I'm creating that right now. I will get back to you on that. 
<laughs> well, you know, it's interesting too. I think lots of times we are projecting our own, our own uh, perfectionism yeah. or other things onto other people. And I think when people ask us those types of questions, a lot of it is coming from that person's own like need to be perfect. Mm -hmm. They need to be perfect. So it's like, well, I'm going to expect you to be perfect. I'm going to expect you to have it all together. I'm going to expect you to have every single detail mapped out about your stuff. And the truth is nobody knows what they're doing. We are all making it up. We are literally all creating it, making it up, being guided as we go. Now, look, you can make decisions. It's just like you're saying, it's like, once you figure out like, Hey, I've got this awesome group program. Let's keep doing that every single iteration and cohort and just yeah. improve the thing. Or if you figure out a particular message works really well, you don't need to keep reinventing the wheel, yeah. but here's none of us have ever been to whatever our next level is. <laughs> I have not been to my next level. How the heck do I know what's there? Mm -hmm. How do I just need to know that's where I want to go. That's where I'm being guided to go and be okay being guided every step of the way mm -hmm. and trusting I'll show up for it mm -hmm. and trusting that the right people, the right resources, the, all the answers, we have access to all of it. We have access yeah. to all of that. So how did you build up that trust muscle to trust? Oh, boy. <laughs> <sighs> you know, a good question. I believe doing the thing. So being in integrity, mm -hmm. it's knowing what I'm being called to do or how I'm being called to show up, knowing where, what I'm aligned with, knowing what, you know, whatever I desire, whatever word we want to use, but backing it up with action. Mm -hmm. And when you back it up with action, that is only when you're really positioning yourself in living in that particular space, because we could think about it in our heads all day long. We could visualize it all day long. We could daydream about it all day long, but until you take the action and you give yourself the full body experience of it, that's the only way. So it's sort of like you're proving to yourself that when I step out in faith, when I step out in trust and I allow myself to have whatever the experience is, and I recognize I didn't, I didn't die. I made it through. It was really amazing. I got to experience everything that came with it because everything that comes with any experience we put our, like, let's just take marriage for example. It's not all pretty. No, it's not all great, mm -hmm. but you have to be available to experience everything that comes with it. Not mm -hmm. just the parts that you want, not just the parts that keep you comfortable and feel really good. So, you know, I think for me, it's taking action when I'm being called to take action and not hesitating and saying, but wait, I'm not ready. Well, you never would have been called if you weren't ready. So of course you're ready. You may not think you're ready in your own mind, but you are. I think that's what sets those who go after those higher incomes, uh, six, seven, eight, so forth and so on. I think taking the action on what you're aligned with 
and not hesitating is the key. I, I feel like it's the key difference mm -hmm. between, mm, I've been guided to do this. Oh, like, let's say for instance, spirit says you need to offer in October, which by the time this is on, it's already going to be happening, <laughs> but, but this now September and it's like, all right. So in October, you need to have six people and create this mastermind. And here's all the information on it. These, this is how, how they're feeling. And if I would be like, Hmm, no, all that tells the universe is mm, she's not quite ready. I guess we'll give her step A, B, maybe step one A, maybe step two A, you know, like, like derail a little bit. And it's not that you're always off your path, but it says, okay, I'm not quite ready. So then it mm -hmm. just delays everything. So it's like, no, like if you aren't hesitating on what it is that you're being guided to do and you still take it take the action even if you have fear even if you have self-doubt there's a difference though and there's a difference between a thought that you're given to do like you get the download you get this aligned action you feel it in your body this yes this feels good versus it's just a thought that I'm thinking mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how do you tell the difference between like that download is it kind of a feeling is it like a full body and as like the thought that you're thinking or how what's what's key for you yeah hmm. I think it's a feeling I think it's a feeling of feeling maybe feelings and thoughts so feelings of let me back up it's a feeling but it 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 doesn't last long because it's not going to stick around and wait for you mm-hmm so you have to catch it quickly. You have to catch it before your mind takes over and takes you down a different path. Mm -hmm. And that could be a matter of seconds. Mm -hmm. I think in fact, most times it is. So the feeling I get and the thoughts I have, it's like excitement. I, I, I would say excitement is a feeling almost like this rush of heat in the body. Mm -hmm from, and for me, that's usually, it's usually starts in the chest. So it's heart, it's coming from that place. Mm -hmm. And then it permeates through the rest of my body all the way to like my fingertips, but it's like a heat wave. It's almost like a little heat wave comes over your body. Mm -hmm. And I would say my heart beats a little. So the heart rate goes up a little bit. And sometimes I think we can mistake that for fear. Oh, you're not supposed to do that. So run mm -hmm. away from that. Um, so that would be the feeling or the sense that I get. Um, another one I would use to describe it is giddiness. Okay. So for example, every single time I host an in-person retreat, which I do not have a retreat, I don't have an event based business model. My event model is not event based. Some people have, so an example of like an event based model, I would say like Tony Robbins probably has predominantly an event-based business model and always has. He's got other things that are not event-based, but his business model is event-based. Brendan Burchard, if you don't know these people, you can look them up if you're listening. Um, Brendan Burchard has a very event-based business model. Mm -hmm. um, Michael Burnoff, someone who I work with, he has an event-based business model. I don't, I have group coaching programs. I have masterminds. It just so happens that in our mastermind, part of what comes with the program are a few retreats, mm -hmm. but I'm not like selling tickets to retreats all the time. Okay. That being said, every single time I run a retreat, 
I feel like a kid and I feel like this is why God put me on the earth. I could literally do this and not get tired three weeks out of every single month because this is what I'm destined to do. But I'm not manufacturing that. I'm not manufacturing in my head. What's the best way to make money? What's the best way to do this? What's the best business model to have? Let me tell you, having an event-based business model, number one, is probably the most expensive business model you can have. It is probably the hardest business model to have. Um, I don't know if it's the most lucrative or not. Um, you're, there are so many more obstacles to a business, an event business model. Like you've got to overcome people you know, scheduling childcare when they leave their home, um, conversations with their husband, buying a plane ticket, staying in a hotel, like the list goes on of what you have to overcome at the marketing level. So mm-hmm. I don't know that anybody goes into like, I want to have a business model because that's going to make me the most successful financially in my business. It's probably, it's the hardest. You can't deny though, if that is your entire purpose and destiny, you can't deny that feeling. And it's, 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 it's an inner knowing that it's pulling you forward. And you know, if you don't do it, you're, you're, you're not fulfilling your purpose while you're here on planet earth. You, it, it's an inner knowing. And nobody mm-hmm. has to tell you that, convince you of that. If somebody tries to talk you out of it, you would never second guess it. Mm-hmm. Even if it doesn't make sense on paper, even if you have no clue how you're going to make it happen, it's an inner knowing and it's a pull. It's a, it's a pull as if a string was pulled, uh, tied to your heart and it's pulling you forward. Mm-hmm. It's the best way for me to describe it. For sure. That was beautiful. I can completely relate to that in the sense of not retreats or events, uh, the channeling. Like I could do it all day, every day. I it is the massive amount of energy and I love how quick and refined I have become over the years. That's why, honestly, why I started this podcast was to share with people that it doesn't have to be just me, Sarah Sparks, who can channel or, or listen to your own divine guidance. You can, you can tap into your own connection and it's not just this woo thing, but everybody can do it if they want, you know, and I want it I wanted to make it a normal, everyday, accessible conversation because mm-hmm. I, I I feel like it's the most effective and efficient way to make those decisions is when you have that heartstring being pulled forward and just get out of your own way. Oh my gosh. I thought for the longest time, who would ever pay me to channel? Like I didn't know other channelers. I didn't know psychics or mediums. And honestly, someone says to me, so you're a psychic once? And I was like, no, I've never thought of myself as that. <laughs> I mean, and I guess I would be, but I never even thought about it. And they were like, oh, can you, can you host an event in my house? And could, could you channel for all of us? And I was like, I'll let spirit speak through me, but I'm not going to do that channeling thing. <laughs> right. You know? And so we, I just had all of these barriers that I had to like, let go of. And Something that you said, I think is important to, to point out about your original question around like, how do you know? Yeah, sure. So you just said, okay, like running live event. Okay. Channeling you do it. You do a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, hosting a live event. I mean, either both of those are two really great examples of while you're in, in it, 
you are on, your adrenaline is going, you are the ultimate of ultimate present. Uh, you are expending a tremendous, tremendous amount of energy, whether it's standing in front of a room, hosting and facilitating a retreat or a live event. It's no different with you channeling because that's the greatest gift. So it's the greatest expenditure of energy. Mm-hmm. I think the other way that we know is that it's like a pleasant, fulfilling exhaustion when you're complete, not the same as burnt out, not the same as fit, like just so tired that you've got to hook yourself up to like an IV mm-hmm. um, or you have to take a sabbatical for six months because you're so spent. It's mm-hmm. not, it's more of an investment. Okay. This is a, two good words. It's an invest. It would be like, um, investing your money versus spending your money. Mm-hmm. Okay. Spending the, the definition of spend means you don't get it back. The definition of an invest is it's going to grow. It's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. That's also how I think we know because you know, a lot of people will say, how are you not just so burned out? How do you do this all the time over and over again? How do you not get yes. just so tired of this or bored of this? You can't deny it. You can't not do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course you take care of your body and your mind and your soul. And you, mm-hmm. you know, you're removing your body and getting good nutrients. in. of course, that's part of this, but yes. you're not burned out at the end. Like you're filled up at the end. You're not mm-hmm. empty at the end. Mm-hmm. That's how you know. Yes, I agree. Great explanation. Good job. Mm-hmm. Megan, doing a good job. <laughs> Do you have any cool stories on how listening to your own divine guidance has positively impacted your life? Hmm. Any aspect of life, personal yeah. or business? Yeah, whichever one comes to your mind that you think it would be beneficial to share. Yeah. I mean, probably my husband and daughter, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, how old was I when I met Sean? I think I was 25. I believe I was 25 when I met him. We were 20, I turned 27 three days before we got married. Now, if we go back in time, um, I was someone who was very much in my head about who I was supposed to be with and the image of who that person was or, and what I thought I was supposed to be chasing after or what I thought like true love was. Mm -hmm. And even when I was engaged with Sean, I don't know if you know this, Sarah, when we were engaged, I broke off our engagement. Because I was in my head so much about me making the wrong choice. Like if I go down this path, my life is going to be like this. But if I go the path that I usually go, that I keep creating over and over in these same patterns over and over and over, it's going to be like this. And I, for, for a long time, I thought I was losing. I thought it was losing something else by saying yes to someone like Sean who I believe is like, we were meant to be together on a soul kind of like soul level. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that was one. 
that was a huge one because my relationship with Sean and becoming like life partners with Sean has completely gone. I mean, it's a completely different like path of life had I gone in the other direction, which was all coming from my head mm-hmm. of what I thought I was supposed to do. And I have a, I have a question. Ahead. So we were talking about when it feels right and good. And sometimes you can mistake the, the rapid heartbeat and the sweaty or the, the, as fear. Craig seems very like, I was like, Oh, if I go with Craig, Oh my God. And I remember sitting in church because church was my thing at, at the time to just sit there and pray. But whenever I would kneel, I felt like I was like sitting in the lap of God, just kind of ha- having a conversation. Now I know I can have that conversation wherever. And I remember feeling this like hot, creeping feeling on my neck. And it was like, it almost felt uh, like, like I was carrying a big weight on here. And I felt that a couple of times. And that's how I know that it's fear. Like it's my, it's my limitations. It's my, my fear-based thoughts versus when it is this knowing and this elevation, it's like, I don't, I don't get it there. It's like literally just body tingles all over. Mm-hmm. So I was still like, when you were questioning was Sean, did you have a different feeling or a different, uh, it was all in your head. You were saying it was all basically. in my head. Yeah. It was, it was like overwhelming thoughts. Like your brain is being inundated with thoughts and stories that, you know, at the time I didn't think was kind of crazy sounding. Now, looking back, it was like something else had like, I don't know, it was like not God, but like something else just had like total control, but it was just like crazy stuff. It was just crazy. It didn't even make sense. So what um, shifted for you to, to choose to marry? Cause you did. So like, was there like a, like a moment or a, like a shift in some sort or uh, that divine guidance that came? I think back then very subtly. Um, back then I could not have distinguished between the two. Now I can back then. No. Mm-hmm. And I think that was just for me at the time in my life, that was a leap of faith. That was a leap of trust. I don't really think I wouldn't have used those words back then. I don't believe. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I just think it was a leap of faith. It was a leap of trust and it was an opportunity. I do believe that what was happening to me at that time in my life, and I was young, I was in my twenties. It was, you have always operated in a particular way. And this is your opportunity to break that pattern right here, making this decision with Sean. (laughs) And I just trusted that. Hmm. And then we have a child who is like a miracle because she wasn't supposed to come into the world. According to doctors, uh, the life that we've built what Sean has taught me, what I've taught him. I mean, it's just been like extraordinary, Mm -hmm. just a letting, it's a letting go. It's a letting go and surrendering Mm -hmm. and trusting that this is the path. This is a better path than anything I could concoct in my head. Mm -hmm. Spirit said to me once for the moments that I felt like I needed to have control and I didn't want to let go. Spirit said, but surrendering and letting go isn't just that, it's letting us in. And that for me helped because I was like, oh, okay, I don't have to do anything to let go or surrender. I simply have to just 
let spirit in mm-hmm. to my world and to my thoughts, mm-hmm. feelings, and emotions. Mm-hmm. So for those that may have that same feeling thought as they're listening to this, like, how do I let go? I can't let go. That means I have to do something. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yeah. It's kind of like loosening the grip. You know, mm-hmm. I, I use a lot of sports analogies because I love sports and I was a tennis player. That's right. Tennis. I just remember. Yes. It's kind of like when, um, a tennis player goes to the net, they call that volley volleying, right? So you've got like the baseline is in the back, that line in the back, and you're hitting ground strokes, baseline strokes. And if the player comes to the net, that's called volleying and it's a different skill set. And what a lot of younger tennis players will do They think when the ball is coming at them at like warp speed from their opponent, that the way to ensure they're going to get the ball back over the net and hit a winner that the, the opponent can't get to is to tighten the grip. So when you tighten the grip, it tightens the wrist, it tightens the entire arm and then your entire body that just sets off tightening of the entire body. Well, in tennis, if you play tight, you're not hitting winners, you're hitting unforced errors. That ball is either going to go in the net or the ball is you're going to over hit and the ball is going to go out of bounds, right? It's called an unforced error. So in tennis, when you're playing the net, the idea is to loosen your grip because when you loosen the grip on the racket with your hand, it loosens the wrist, which loosens the arm because in order for you to hit the winner and I, you know, you, so if you like, imagine me flapping my wrist back and forth, you want that fluidity. You want the fluidity so that it's like the motion of movement moves the ball. Mm-hmm. Just that moves the ball. You don't have to smack the ball hard. You don't have to have like all this velocity behind the ball, but that's, we do that in life. Mm-hmm. Like we tighten our grip, which tightens all of your limbs, but then it tightens your heart. It tightens your soul. And when you're tight, you're closed off and nothing comes in. Mm-hmm. So loosen the grip. It allows everything to open up so that what's meant to come in can come in mm-hmm. and you're not hitting unforced errors all through life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. And I can remember when I was first starting this journey, that has been all of the lessons that led up to now is that listening to divine guidance is, is, is everything. And when I loosen the grip, let divine guidance in. That's when joy happens, not just my daughter joy, but (laughs) the emotion joy, business grows, my well-being is better, my connections with others. So yeah, loosen the grip. That might be Mm -hmm. the title of this. (laughs) Loosen your grip. Do you have any final advice that you would like to give those listening today on more floating on a cloud divine guidance moments? I think what we just said, you know, it's surrender. It's surrender. There's a really great book. Um, it's called the surrender experience. Mm-hmm. It's the same guy, Michael Singer. Michael Singer is the author. He also wrote, have you ever read his book? Oh, he also wrote the untethered soul. Oh, Okay. Okay. So I read the untethered soul years ago. Mm-hmm. That book has been one of the most pivotal books I've, in my life I've ever read. And a few years ago, he wrote a book called the surrender experience. No, the surrender experiment. Mm. And for, you know, the early years of his life, all the way through college, 
he controlled everything. Everything was controlled. Everything was contrived. Just like how most of us operate, most human beings, everything is, you know, it has to be this way. I am meant to go to college. I am meant to get a degree. I am meant to use my brain. I am meant to do this, that, and the other. And it's like, we're pre-choosing everything, you know, long before, because we think that's a path we're supposed to take. And then he started recognizing there was this moment when he was in college that he recognized, I am observing my thoughts. How is that happening? Like, how am I able to observe my own thoughts? There's two of me here. How's that happening? And that's mm-hmm. kind of how the book starts in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then it's a really interesting book because he simply just goes on to kind of storytell the, this, um, idea of surrendering and experimenting with surrendering every step of the way. And there were things that would come into his world that he had an opportunity in that moment. You know, one of the things is he was invited to be some sort of like president of a community college or something and like teach there. And this was while he was in his surrender experiment. And in the book, he talks about how in his head, he was like, this is not my plan. I said, I was done with that. I don't, I don't want to go teach at this university. I don't want to go move there. I don't want to be the president of this community college. I want to go live on my property in Florida in my little 15 by 15 square foot house and meditate six hours a day. Cause he thought the answer was just be in meditation and Zen like six to eight hours a day. Don't put me back in like the college system. But he was living based on the surrender experiment, remember? Mm-hmm. So everything that would come to him, he would just say yes to it. He just started saying yes to everything that was presented to him that was not concocted or manufactured in his head. He wasn't manufacturing to go buy a piece of land and meditate out there. He wasn't manufacturing someone coming to him and saying, Hey, we'd like for you to be the president of this. He didn't manufacture anything throughout his whole entire life. Later on, he ended up, uh, you have to go read the story, but he actually was the first one. I didn't know this. He started, he was the first person who like invented, um, the computer program that our medical world uses for like patients and insurance and all that, like the, the computer program. He developed that way back in the 80s or 90s. He ended up being sued and investigated by the FBI and the federal government for years. But again, even in that, he surrendered. So everything in his life, he just surrendered and said yes. And he was always taken care of. Everything was always working out in his favor. And I think that's what I'll leave everybody with. It's this belief that everything is working out in your favor. Everything is happening for you. And the only way you will recognize that in the physical realm is by saying yes to it. Because what exists on the other side of our yes, abundance and opportunity the experience we long for lives on the other side of yes. You can't just say yes one time because there's another door of opportunity. There's another evolution of abundance. There's more. So for everybody to self-actualize, it's this 
idea of surrendering, like run your own surrender experiment, say yes to what's presented because what's on the other side of that is the next door of opportunity that you will never get the keys to unless you say yes first. Trust though, like trust that favor is on your side at all times. And if you say yes with the belief that everything is working out for me, everything is working in my favor, it's amazing. But that doesn't mean life's not going to happen. Somebody's still going to get sick. Something's still going to happen. Things are still not going to go the way you wish they would go. You're still going to have uncomfortable conversations. Mm -hmm. It's still going to happen, but yet your life experience will be so much more rich when you allow yourself to experience all. How in the world do we connect with you? That was brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. How do we connect with you? Uh, I'd say the best place is probably social media, Mm -hmm. honestly. Um, you can go to my website, meganjohnsonhuber.com. Uh, there's very minimal over there. So it's not like you're finding out all the things about me. You can see how I work with people over there. It's super simple. Um, but if you want to, you know, kind of be part of our, my world, Megan J. Huber on Instagram, Megan J. Huber on Facebook. And I have a Facebook group called Structured Freedom for Impact Driven Coaches. Awesome. We'll put those links there. So pop on over and check her out. She's amazing. Thank you so much for this conversation, your wisdom, your energy, sharing this all. I love it. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning into this episode. For more information about the guest and how to listen to your divine guidance, please click on the episode description. So much love to you. See you soon. Mm-hmm.